Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green PGA Daily Fantasy Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew. We are here for the amazing return of the fifth major, the John Deere Classic. We love it. We missed it. We are very excited for uh, for its return. Uh, we got to, I mean, the, the scoring was like what we thought it was going to be at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. It honestly is a fun event. Like, I mean, it's it's hilarious. Um, and obviously Bryson missing the cut at like, what, 38% owned? One of the, I mean, that's one of the funniest things that's ever happened in the history of PGA DFS. Yeah, I took last week off, was on vacation with the family at the beach, but could not pass up the opportunity to talk about the John Deere Classic. Rocket Mortgage, we can skip those weeks, but if you're not ready for the John Deere Classic, what, what are you even doing here? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I guess in terms of approach, not really, uh, not really that big of a difference in approach for how we are approaching the Rocket Mortgage Classic to the John Deere Classic. I mean, maybe you would give a larger bump to the old man game style guys like the yeah. the wedge guys, like you know, you're uh, what it's it's Brian Harmon has 41 consecutive rounds under par at this golf course. This is the the famous course where Zach Johnson would either win or get second every single year. Spieth won this event. Like that is, that is the type of course we're talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, you look at the top of the course history leaderboards here and it's Zach Johnson, Jordan Spieth and Steve Stricker. So just throw the ball in the green, get really hot with the putter. Um, last week, I think, you know, we were expecting obviously a scoring fest, this week, it will be a scoring fest as well, but I would say it's more of an accuracy course this week, whereas last week, um, I mean, not an accuracy course in terms of, like, you're going to get penalized for being inaccurate, but the more accurate players do perform better than their baselines here. So um, last week, I think we thought maybe bombers are in the mix. Um, this week, a little more of the short knockers get hot for the putter, but uh, that's what we got, man. Yeah, Stryker's and it in the is field too. So I mean, this field is last week's field is bad. This week's field is worse, though. I think. Yeah, I mean, this field is honestly it is on par with like the Barbasol or whatever because all of the true pedigree golfers are already over. They're they're either playing the Scottish Open or they are, um, you know, where I don't I don't actually know the course they're playing the Open at this year, but they're already there getting their hacks in. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's everyone's over there. We got the the real legends of the PGA Tour in play this yeah. week i mean i i am honestly surprised to see burger here what what is daniel burger is what is daniel burger doing here and not at the scottish open like i don't even get it i mean there's you never know i guess with some stuff it's just like sponsors uh there's rules on the pga tour you have to play every event like every x number of years or add x new courses to your portfolio of events so there's some of that going on as well but um yeah i don't know i mean it feels weird for sure. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's just like, I, I feel like, and he well, is I guess capturing... also if you're just like, maybe I can just bank like 700, 800 K. Yeah. He, he's probably, he's probably looking at this course. Like, all right, it's me and Brian Harmon uh, in the final grouping on Sunday. Like I feel pretty good what's, about that. Yeah. Like what's higher at EV being 20% to win an event, you know? So you got like at least 200 K EV there or like increasing your open championship odds from like, 0.6 to 0.7 percent yeah i i guess i guess i guess that uh that is a reasonable line of thinking so our our guys above ten thousand, burger sung jay harman cam davis um you know coming off of uh coming off of a great performance for for the guy 
this group, I mean, honestly, like I feel like I don't want to play any of these guys. I feel like this is the ultimate play loads of $9,000 and $8,000 guys and leave salary on the table event of all time. It, it definitely feels like, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I guess the counterpoint to that would be you see randomness on the leaderboards and you're going to see, you saw that last week a little bit, maybe not at the top end, but definitely inside the top 20. And you're going to see that again. So like Denny McCarthy is for sure in play to, to top 20 this event, whereas he's not on a lot of courses. And so because of that, you can make a reason to pay for Brian Harmon. It's not like 10,400 is overly prohibitive. And when you look in the mid-tier range, it's like, are you really, you say you're excited to build balance, but like, are you really excited about Troy Merritt, Maverick McNeely, $8,500 Zach Johnson or Hank Leviota? So I don't know. I still think I'll end up anchoring on one of these guys, but not a week where I want to jam in. I'm not going like stars and scrubs burger Harmon lineups. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I think that these are guys also that you can play, like you can take stances on the market. So like, for example, data golf doesn't really like Kevin Na. They actually have him as a negative value here. But if I'm like thinking in my head, like what's a course where Kevin Na could crank out a T three, like I'm definitely thinking, John Deere, where it doesn't matter that he can't hit it far and it, it uh, exacerbates all of his strengths. And I, I also, I mean, I think Norin is a good fit here. Um, and then Siwoo Kim is just like in really good form right now. And, and not that he is a tremendous wedge player or anything like that, but I just feel like this is a course where he can make birdies like without, and there's not a ton of trouble for him to get into. Yeah, definitely. And I, I looked at the course fit, um, like the data golf work and it had driving accuracy as being kind of the one stat that was over indexed. And I think I'm leaning towards that style of player around the greener approach surprisingly just meant it, it mattered less. It was less predictive. And it just, that shows some of the randomness to these events. So um, I, I do want guys that can obviously gain strokes with the putter. And I think like the, the accurate players who are good with those, not, not overall approach, but like the shorter players and Brian Harmon would be the guy that, I chose to anchor on. I think Berger is obviously the favorite. Um, and I'm less interested in, in Sungjae, Cameron Davis out of that group. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Uh, I mean, I guess we got to talk about Seamus Power since this guy that many people probably have never heard of or never played is $9,000 in this event. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I, like, it was all short game last week too. Um, or I guess a little, he... It was mostly short game. It's, it's, should he say, he is on a disgusting run of form right he's, now. He's got like, like he's five, yeah, five yeah, he's, events in a row. Yeah, he's killing it. Um, but, um, I, I mean, he, it's funny because he was always one of those guys at like the Corrales event. You're like, oh, it's Seamus Power Week. So it, it is funny because he's earned a little bit of a legend within the, the hardcore PGA DFS community. Yeah. No, I mean, and like it, this is the, at an event where you can take a guy who is 237th in the official world golf rankings and play him at $9,000 and not feel like it's that bad. Now we don't have ownership projections up and run yet. I got him on the back end. If you got any questions. You can okay. Well, well, I was going to say at like 7%, I would, I would play him. I would play Seamus power, but at like 17%, I have no interest. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I think you, you will get it. 7% Seamus it's, it's early in the week, but I've got him above 15% right now. It seems like he is one of the, like I said, 
early in the week, a lot of times the touts are steering the ownership projections a little bit, and he's definitely a tout friendly name there. Um, I, I mean, I think pivot, like it's, it feels crazy to call it pivot, but some like Pat and Kazir, I think would be a guy that can get insanely hot with the putter that I'd prefer at like half the ownership. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I would prefer some of these other guys like Troy Merritt and Lucas Glover and Doc Redman are just for me, those are like, yeah, those are the John Deere classic names. Those are the rocket mortgage classic names. Those are the Barbasol championship names where I'm like, these dudes have been like low end PGA tour grinders forever. They are all bad putters, but they put themselves in position to make enough putts. Uh, Lucas, I mean, Glover has, has occasionally ran hot many times over the years of me playing PGA DFS, where he'll go through like a three month stretch where he learns to pop. But yeah, Merritt, Glover and Redman are all names that, uh, that jumped out to me, especially Redman because he will not be chalk at all. Yeah. Well, so what are you going to do with guys this week? It is a shorter, more accurate player course. What are you going to do with names this week? that are gaining a lot of the strokes off the tee. So someone like Johnny Vegas comes to mind there um, or someone even like Maverick McNeely who is in a run of good form himself, but a lot of that is off the tee heavy. Are you going to kind of play it as it lies with the projections? Or are you looking more at like the Ryan Moore, Ches Revy type? I'm looking, I'm looking way more at strokes gained approach strokes gained around the green. Um, Cause like this, it's just one of those things historically you see with this event is that those style of players year after year after year have results way better than you would expect. Like the, 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 even the guys who are gaining strokes off the tee, if you're not also gaining strokes around the green, it's, it's not doing that much for you. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the other question I had since it is one of our favorite weeks, but Steve Stricker legend of the old school. Is, is he, is he six K? So no, he's 7,700 right now. And um, he's popping a little bit in the projections. He, well, Data Golf loves Steve Stricker. They used I mean, to, but they got off him this year for a while. And then he, what, he like. Well, my guess is, is that he has just been crushing the Champions Tour, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any of his Champions Tour results in front of me, but we can probably pull that up. Um, Steve but... Stricker, Champions Tour. <laughs> He, he did make the cut at the PGA Championship and well, top twenty he, the Honda Classic. He's coming off of a win at. He's coming off of a lapping the field win at the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship. Uh, seven under par in first place. Second place was uh, Jerry Kelly at my at one under par. So I, I it seems like the old man still got it. I would guess. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, was interesting. The other the Zach Johnson was eighty five hundred. Uh, that was a little jarring to see as well. What, what do you have for early ownership projection on, on him? On Zach Johnson, uh, 10%, definitely a guy people used to chase course history with, but um, you know, he had a little stretch of decent results. A lot of that was short game driven and a lot of the kind of commentary in the space now is a lot more TD green oriented. So less people on Zach Johnson, like, I mean, two years ago, he would have been 25% here, but now he's 10%. So definitely a, a changing marketplace with PGA DFS. Yeah. Which uh, is, uh, I mean, that's sort of, that's sort of interesting. Um, all right. Who else, who names, else here is I that? like this, this like 8k range right now. I see a couple pivots I mentioned Ryan Moore. Um, I also see both Sebastian Munoz and Charles Howell, the third under 10%. And uh, both those guys are guys that I've rostered at like 7k in full strength fields. So I feel like this isn't too big of a price premium you're paying on them. And 
Uh, I like both those players a little, a little bit. Pivots. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think that I'm with you. I mean, I, I like uh, I like both of the uh, South American fellows, Sebastian Munoz, Johnny Vegas here. Um, I think I think uh, Munoz is Colombian, Vegas is uh, Venezuelan. But I, I like both of those guys. Seems like because I, I guess the one thing is when you you focus into micro on the wedge plays, like that you just forget that this is a course where guys can make birdies and um, don't necessarily have to be hyper accurate which helps both of those guys uh, are, are, I think we are heading into a huge Kyle Stanley chalk week. I, I just need to warn everyone that I think we're going to see a big Kyle Stanley ownership week. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, him and Doug Gim are kind of the like T green darlings of projection models um, more into Stanley than Doug Gim as far as his form, but he has gained strokes T green in five straight events, you know, doing the Kyle Stanley thing and losing strokes putting each time. I, it definitely matters because it's a birdie fest and you're, you need to go low to contend. But as you get to the cheaper price range, like a, a top 20 is fine to pay it off. And um, I actually think Ches Reeve looks kind of similar to Kyle Stanley. He's gained strokes on approach in four straight events. He's usually a guy that loses strokes off the tee or is kind of break even. And he's getting one of the bigger accuracy boosts in the projections because that's kind of his bread and butter. Um, so 7,500 Ches Reeve, I prefer outright over Kyle Stanley, especially when you take into account ownership. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's a jam. I think Scott Stallings looks pretty good. What is Tom Lewis doing here? Why is, why is I'm just, this is so absurd. Why is Tom Lewis here and not at the Scottish open? Like that seems preposterous. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, what, what tour is Tom Lewis officially on? Do you know? I, there is I mean, also I w- like you win an event, you get your PGA tour card. So definitely the top end players playing, it surprised me a little bit, but when you get guys that like are potentially trying to secure tour cards, that's where I think that's why you see some of the better European tour players and um, guys who maybe aren't qualified for next week yet, or guys who actually like legitimately need their tour card and status and things like that playing at these events. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it looks like he is trying to get a PGA Tour card because he was uh, best official world golf ranking position 46. He's all the way down at 131 now and has missed a bunch of cuts on the PGA Tour. So I think he's trying to. I think he's trying to uh, pick it off here. Um, I, yeah, Garnett. Garnett falls in that same list to me as like low end PGA Tour grinders who I feel comfortable. Uh, who I feel comfortable rostering. Nick Taylor, same list. Um, Ryan Armour, I guess. I mean, this anyone who's telling me that they feel very strongly that like Bo Hag is definitely better than Martin Laird, I'm like, I don't know, more power to you because I don't have that same uh, conviction. Yeah, I I feel you there, and I think you start to scatter shoot a little bit this week. I haven't decided if I'll do single entry MME, but it definitely feels like a week where, like like you said, a lot of these guys are so close together. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see who uh, Mick. This come Mick Putts. This has got to be a Mick Putts course, disrespect, right? Right. So much disrespect to his name. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mick Putts at uh, at seven thousand. Jim Herman, Vaughn Taylor. I, I think all these guys. I mean, there are. 
I guess I, you kind of wish that there were like two, like you kind of wish that like Hideki randomly showed up here or something because there are a bunch of dudes down here at 7,000 who feel just as playable as Sebastian Munoz at 8,400 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You wish it was the course where you could hit the lock button on somebody. Uh, I suppose you could potentially do that with Brian Harmon and Daniel Berger, but it feels a lot more cringy than it does when it was like DJ at the Canadian Open. Um, but I, I do think that's a viable strategy this week because there is some separation in terms of skill at the top end and um, yeah, weird stuff can happen, but I'd be pretty shocked if either Berger or Harmon like completely ejected from the event. Yeah. I mean, uh, Harmon, I, I don't think I can get there because he's got all these rounds under par, but I feel like his win upside is like, I feel like the market is overrating his actual win equity. You know what I, I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There the other thing I would kind of look at is like guys who have like one outlier skill set potentially as you're looking at the value plays. So like Danny Lee has had several outlier upside approach performances in the past eight to 10 weeks, same thing with Cameron Percy. And so um, the driver shouldn't matter quite as much this week as it does other weeks. And then the, the putting is always kind of volatile. So I think that's one thing you can kind of look at all these guys down here, like nobody's going to be popping in strokes gained approach really. But if you can kind of tease through some of their, la- their rounds, you can kind of see guys that might have some like outlier performances baked in. How about this? Byung Hun An at an alt, like what is basically an alt event, 6,900. I mean, what is going on, dude? What happened to Benny? What happened to our boy? I know, man. He, he definitely, I guess that's what happens when you lose all the TD Green play and you, can't putt. Can't so, putt. Not not great for Benny. But um, I guess the other thing is, from a betting perspective this week, it definitely feels like one of those weeks, like, like last week, where a longer shot could come through. Uh, there's not too many top-end players that you're terrified of fading. I think the top-end guys are probably overpriced a little bit um, in terms of the win equity because of the randomness associated with this course. So I always think that makes a pretty compelling event as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Any of these other cheap guys we got to get into? Like, do we need to tout? I mean, I know it's an accuracy course, but Cameron Champ at 6,800. Like, I feel like Cameron Champ just straight up. Like, if, if Henrik Norlander and Cameron Champ went to go play a golf course, Cameron Champ would have to give Norlander strokes. That's yeah, my take. I, I, it doesn't seem like a good course for Cameron Champ. Um, definitely a guy that leans heavily on the distance, loses strokes and approach, loses strokes around the green, pretty egregious putter himself. So if if you got to put the driver away or you're at least not able to benefit too much from it, I don't think it's a good course for Cam Champ. Yeah. All right. Any other uh, any other cheap guys we need to tout? You got you got you got a Joseph Bramlett in there for me or an Adam Wong or anything? No, I mean like Cameron Percy and Danny Lee were two of the guys that I felt okay about sixty seven hundred would consider potentially mixing those guys into a three max build. Um, not, no, like Bovan Powell 6,400. I was looking at a little bit, but no, I'm not overly excited about any of these guys. Yeah. So because this is a weird week, right. Um, with, with the field mixing and stuff like that, data golf actually has a load of outrights to get down on like way more, way more than normal. I mean, obviously the big one is Stricker, but they have lot. And honestly, they have lots of guys that I 
would feel comfortable putting bets on. Like normally, you know, normally it's like uh, it's like a huge Camilo Camilo Villegas like uh, EV or whatever that it's like I'm never realizing this equity ever in my life. But I I you know what. I'm going to bet Steve Stricker. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go on the record and say that I'm going to bet Stricker here because you're, you're right. They, they changed the way they did the decomposition of, cause that was what was causing the issue with Stricker was that they weren't decaying his projection enough for his age. Yeah. But they're, if, definitely, if, they're definitely decaying substantially for the age. There's still a massive, massive amount of course history baked in here. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, even if you were to cut that in half, it would bump them down. Kind of still to, be like, a plus EV out, right? Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things I like to do and then kind of run your own custom sim just because I think Stricker, yeah, he, he may still be plus EV out, right? But the scale of how right that is definitely impacts some of the other secondary bets you might be looking at. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'll bet Michael Thompson because they have him as, as a big one. Can I possibly bring myself to bet Kyle Stanley? I, I don't know. You, you got it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's one of the cringy weeks where it's like everybody's on this somewhat popular player. FanDuel has a 65 to one out there, whereas most places only have a 55 to one. Yeah. And like you just see everyone dunking on you on Sunday on PGA Twitter while you're, while you're holding the bag. Yeah. I, uh, and I gotta, I gotta start firing these, uh, these British open outrights. I mean, I saw, I saw that Bryson is 20 to one. It's like, I don't know, Bryson at 20 to one at any major feels like I probably got to buy that number. So I got to, I got to get you think in there. So, man, start... Bryson, one guy that's not over there prepping this week. Yeah, it doesn't matter, dude. All he needs, all he needs to do is show up, drink a protein shake and get after it. Like he's fine. Like I don't, I mean, Bryson, he's the GPP dude. Although him missing the cut last week and like firing his caddy is just like, this guy is the worst. Um, Okay, actually an interesting week for one and done because it literally doesn't matter who you use. Like I, the only guy you would use at this event who you'd be planning to use somewhere else is Berger and I guess maybe Sungjae. So this is a place where you can almost play whoever you want. I, I mean, other than those two, if you're behind. Yeah, def- definitely. And I think Brian Harmon will be pretty popular with the field this week, just given his form, given his course history here. Sure. Like r- rightfully so. So I guess the catch-up plays, I think, would be Kevin Streelman or Russell Henley. Henley Henley, Henley, or Siwoo Kim, I, I think, probably. Henley is definitely the type of player, like, I just picture yes. winning this type of event. Like, good it just iron sound, player. It just just, sounds, some, sometimes he just gets so hot with the butter, it seems like. It just sounds like a, just sounds like a winner of the John Deere Classic. So does Russell Brian Harmon, though, to be honest. If you were to throw them, like... Steve Stricker, Zach Johnson, Jordan Spieth, like Brian Harmon. That that sounds pretty smooth. Dude, Stricker's winning this event. It's happening. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm using Steve Stricker in one and done. I'm using it. I'm using a Champions Tour player in one and done because I'm having such a bad season. It doesn't even matter anyway. I like it. All right. Uh, do we have anything else that we uh, that we need to get to? Any anything going on with the site? No, I don't think so. We'll be back next week on the podcast for the Open Championship. Always one of the best majors of the year. So happy it's uh, going down this year. Yeah, love love uh, that we will have some sort of special guest on with us. We'll, maybe, uh, maybe Nelson, maybe uh, maybe Constant Color Up, one of our one of our buddies who has uh, been sick in the PGA DFS streets. And uh, we'll see you back next week for the Open Championship.